Hello, everyone, and welcome to the WASD podcast. I'm your host, Wyatt Rucker, and let's talk games. <clears throat> the first thing I want to talk about today is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, I got it for Christmas, started playing it a little bit, you know, to see what's up with it. I've heard a lot of good reviews about the game, and uh, the story is pretty good. I do enjoy the story. It reminds me of uh, the old Assassin's Creed games, but with a little less meat on the bones, I guess you could say. It definitely gives me hints and ideas, like I'll be playing through a section and, you know, oh, this will remind me, oh, that's, yeah, they did something like that in Black Flag. Oh, okay, I remember that, you know. But, I mean, story, story is all right. It's not the not the best, it's not the worst, it's somewhere in the middle. You know, nothing, nothing too crazy there, but, I mean, overall... Yeah, it's a pretty good game. The graphics on a PS4 are a bit buggy, but again, I feel like it's more of a next-gen game to fully appreciate, I guess you could say. Of course, I am in the boat with everyone else of having to struggle for to find a PS5, but, you know, it's whatever. The Yeah, the graphics are a bit buggy, a little low-res sometimes, pixelated in others, but... Once it focuses in, you know, and the the pixels are gone, and it focuses in, and the game just looks good, that's, I, you can't really complain with that. Uh, the combat, I would say, is pretty fluid. Uh, not super tight, a little buggy at times with the lock-on system, but if you can look over that, get past that, I definitely think this game is something worth playing. I mean, after a huge, huge letdown that was, you know, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, it's good to have a decent open world game without, you know, game breaking bugs and just an absolute mess. Uh, and I think if you're looking for that type of game, I think Assassin's Creed Valhalla is definitely the one for you. Uh, just be cautious, you know, it's not the best thing you're going to play. It's not going to be your game of the year. It's it, just calibrate your standards going into it and then see where the game can either, you know, surpass your standards or, you know, they were low to begin with. So you can't really get disappointed. Um, like most Assassin's Creed games, you know, uh, out of being out of the animus is pretty boring. Uh, that's been a problem for uh, ever with the Assassin's Creed series as a whole. Uh, they fixed it up a little bit in Assassin's Creed 3, but I mean, still, nobody nobody wants to play as some dork that has a cool ancestor. The game overall, it's a pretty good game. I think you should play it if you haven't already. If I had to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it a solid 7. Definitely wait for it to be on sale. Don't pick it up at $60. It's not worth it. And if you do pick it up, uh, just be, just know that it's going to look better and play better on a PlayStation 5 than a PlayStation 4. It's a little buggy. So if you can wait or you do have a PlayStation 5, definitely see if you can get it on PlayStation 5 instead of PlayStation 4. Or, you know, uh, Xbox. You know, I, I assume it's the same way with Xbox One and Xbox Series X, but I can't talk about that. 
in other news, Half-Life Alex, that VR game by Valve that came out earlier this year that was kind of it's flown under the radar for a lot of people ever since its release. At release, it was very talked about, very, oh, here it is. Look at this game. You can break a bottle. You can draw on a whiteboard, all this stuff. But nobody's heard anything about that game since. And it and it sucks because the game is fantastic, I think. And to the people that complain about, you know, oh, it's not Half-Life 3. Half we wanted Half-Life 3, not Half-Life Alex. Not just, you know, this piece of crap that's in VR. But what you don't realize is I think Valve is trying to test the waters, you know, to see what a Half-Life 3 would be like in the current gaming climate. You know, like you can't just release, oh, here's Half-Life 3. You know, here you go. Have fun. A game that's years and years and years past the sequel to what half-life 2 would have been here enjoy this game that we created and they're like awesome half-life 3 and you have half the people being like what what is this half-life game you know the new generation coming in and seeing this half-life 3 oh yeah i've i've heard of that you know offhandedly just not caring about it and then you have the other ones you know that other minority of people nowadays it's like oh my gosh Half-Life 3, let's go. It's finally here after all these years, Valve. And then they play it, and then, oh, Half-Life, you know? More Half-Life. Thank you, Valve. So Valve isn't really... I, I, to me, Half-Life 1, Half-Life 2, if you think about, think back with me, when those games first released, they were stepping stones for what, you know, games would become. They were huge, monumentous games that would just create and push forward the gaming sphere as a whole, right? So if Valve has a standard for themselves in their head, right? We have to be this good. We have to be better than this. We have to do this right, or we can't do it at all. And it's for nothing. They have a reputation to keep and they want to keep it. So their idea, I, I, I assume this is all, you know, personal opinion. In my opinion, I think that they were testing the waters. Like I said earlier, they were testing the waters to see, oh, you know, here's this game. See how they react. Honestly, it's it's pushed <laughs> the sphere of VR to to a next level. Like they they this is what VR can do. Look at this amazing game. Now here's your standard. Do this. Be better, or be as good, or don't beat at all. That's what that's what Valve did with VR earlier this year. All right, they did made this. They they did it. They did what Half Life One, Half Life Two did to regular gaming. They did it to VR with Half Life Alex. Okay, so now they have this side uh, of you know the community of games and VR, very small portion. They're like, they did it for us. They've pushed it forward. We know what they wanted to do, right? And then you have the other half, like oh, VR, right? But to Valve, they're sitting there, they're analyzing it. They're, they see that the VR community is very, very happy with this amazing game they put out. They're like, okay, let's take that, let's take that momentum, let's take that adrenaline, and let's run with it. And boom, Half-Life 3. That's what, of course, that's a speculation. You know how Valve is, speculation. But I, I think, I honestly think this is a sort of stepping stone, a... Uh, tossing a rock down a hole to see how deep it is you know this this is something that they need to set up 
and create, you know, hype and, you know, stuff for, like, if you think back to Borderlands 3, everyone thought, everyone was excited for Borderlands 3, of course, but without that DLC they released for uh, Borderlands 2, the Attack on Sanctuary DLC for Borderlands 2, free for everyone, you play it, you get in, and, and, and it's just a big, big, you know, fun, um, fun little you know, three, four hour DLC and they're like whoa this is what borderlands 2 is you know bringing it back to the game like oh yes borderlands i just crave more borderlands boom borderlands 3 teaser drops gameplay teaser drops game you know releases a few months later they're teasing they're, they're testing the waters to see if this game is still viable in today's climate as it was you know years and years ago of course that was you know gearbox and Borderlands is a different, you know, whole different thing, and Valve is Valve, and you really can't compare them to anyone because they'll they'll play how they want. They got the money, they know what they're doing. So if you're asking me, I think Half Life Three may be coming in the future, on down the road. Just I said we trust Valve, they know what they're doing, and let's see where it goes from there. Next thing I want to talk about today is uh. I've been playing Death Stranding for the first time. You know, it's been on the backlog. I'm sure as many people have had this backlog because the past, you know, three years, we've gotten game after game after game after game, and they've all been big, you know, 70-plus hour open-world games for you to sit down, enjoy for a month, and never touch again because you got to move on to the next one, right? So I've had my eye on Death Stranding. I uh, came out 2019, and... um. It was teased way, way back in, I want to say 20, 2016, 2015, somewhere in there. Um, and the game, you know, back then it looked really good. But now, actually playing, sitting down playing the game, it kind of, it's kind of unreal. The game looks amazing, feels amazing, uh, plays amazing. And I really, I, I enjoy it. I do. But... I also want to be critical with it, you know, because Hideo Kojima, Metal Gear Solid, solid franchise, screwed over by Konami. We all know this, the blah, 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 the story goes on. And then he creates his own studio and we all expect it to be oh, game breaking. He making, he's making what he wants. Let's go. And I think to myself, I wonder if Konami kind of made sure that Hideo Kojima didn't go too weird. Because they're a publishing company, they have deadlines to make, and he has to follow these rules, right? And I'm starting to think, you know, playing through the story, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe Konami, you know, kind of had a point. But, of course, what they did to him was incredibly wrong. Of course, the situation is different than that, but I, I think that Kojima needs to calibrate and have people looking over him and being like, oh... That makes no sense. <laughs> that doesn't look like it would uh, convert well to a video game. Maybe a book, graphic novel, whatever. The game just... It's okay. Don't get me wrong. The story's good. The gameplay's good. You know, everything about the game is good. It, it, it's a great game. I won't lie. But it's weird. My only... And I'm not saying that, oh, it's, it's too weird to enjoy. Oh, blah, 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 blah. No, I think that the game is weird, but in a sort of unnecessary way it's kind of incoherent in certain portions of the game and i, I know it's a gamer sin to make fun of or uh 
judge Hideo Kojima's mind in the in the games he plays and the games he makes, right? But I think I think people need to start doing that with Death Stranding because not weird. There's just a senseless promotion. Why is Monster Energy in Death Stranding? Why do you have to drink a Monster Energy to replenish your stamina? Right? We had we have everyone harped on you know the 2K uh, basketball games whenever. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, uh, promotions in these games, you know, talking about Gatorade. Uh, if I pay $60 for this game, I want it to be an actual game. I don't, I don't, I'm not paying for an ad. But the entire time you guys are, you know, complaining about 2K, you guys aren't realizing Death Stranding, just because it's made by a different company that people respect, it's still doing that senseless promotion that 2K is doing. We can't let them get off the hook for this. Come on. Gatorade and Monster Energy, all right? Gatorade, you know, for 2K, Monster Energy for Death Stranding. But in Death Stranding, you have to drink it, right? You have to use this. You have to interact with this sort of pro this, this product to, you know, increase your stamina, to replenish your stamina. Uh, whenever he drinks it, he makes a motion, slaps his knee. Oh, this was fantastic, you know? Come, like, if we harp on one game, we have to give the equal and fair criticism to another game regardless of the creator and people i think overlook it because it's hideo kojima come on there's this isn't this isn't right this isn't right if we're paying 60 dollars, you know the common argument if you're going to pay 60 dollars for this big open world game you don't want a, a product that maybe you don't drink you don't like you don't support whatever who cares in a game that you're trying to enjoy right for me, for me personally, I I don't I don't care I don't, but I'm just like, oh, why is it there? You know, if no one's making a big deal about it there, but everyone makes a big deal about it in 2K. You you can't have middle ground there. You're either one or the other. You can't you can't harp on one thing and not harp on the other. It's you gotta share it, right? And even whenever your character Sam takes a shower, there there'll be a little Norman Reedus, you know, promotional poster for a show he's doing or something like that. I can't, I can't remember the actual show, but it's a show he's doing, you know? And it's like, what are you doing? Is it, is this commercial for Norman Reedus and monster energy? Or is this a game I'm supposed to sit down, be immersed in and enjoy, right? This game is a, dyst a dystopia of America in the future why is Monster Energy and AMC's Norman Rita show uh, a promotional topic in this world, right? So uh, I, I'm confused on why I'm even seeing this, right? So what I'm I, okay to boil that to boil that down. That was heavy. I know. 2K has ads for real life products. Death Stranding has ads for real life products. 2K has a lot of hate and backlash. For having those ads, Death Stranding doesn't really have that hate. So I'm saying we need to bridge that gap and either give them both hate and criticism, not hate, criticism, for having that product, or we just ignore both of them. Because honestly, at least in 2K, you don't have to interact with Gatorade. Sure, the logo's around, but you're not in drinking Gatorade to increase your stamina mid-game or something, you know? Of course, you sit out your characters and at halftime and there's the Gatorade logo and everything, but they're not, you know, showing an animation of them drinking it and slapping their knee and being like, oh my goodness, that was fantastic. You know, of course, it's different, different scenarios, different promotions, different brands, but still, 
it's criticism that needs to be addressed, I think. But, of course, I don't want to hate on Death Stranding too much. I, I, I'm just a little bit into the game. The story is very good, very confusing, very weird, very Hideo Kojima. But the game is, you know, gorgeous. It's a beautiful game. Uh, I'm curious to see what it'd play like on a PlayStation 5. PlayStation 4, it runs well. Unlike, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it runs well, plays well. The graphics are fantastic, probably one of the best. Only rivaled, I would say, by maybe Last of Us Part Two. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk about too much about Last of Us Part Two. I know the criticisms around that, and I will touch on that in a different episode because I think that it they aren't valid, and I think some of them are valid. So stick around this podcast, and I will I will explain what I think about that game later on in a different episode. But right now, the game looks great, plays great. Uh, music in the game, I was very surprised, is fantastic. It's It reminds me a lot of the um, Fallout uh, Diamond City radio from Fallout 4. Like, you'll be walking and you can just turn on the radio. Or, or you know, the previous Fallout games with the, diamond, with the radio. And you turn on the radio and just listen to some old classic 40s music. But this game, there's not, you know, it's not classic music like that. It's um, it's more of like this sort of Red Dead-y. It reminds me of Red Dead Redemption 2 with the music selection in that game. You know, it plays Unshaken when you're riding your horse through the through the you know the trees in Red Dead. Or um, in this game, it'll play uh, like a song. You're walking over this mountain, long, big open valley with a river, and you're just walking, and you see you know birds and the Death Stranding and BTs and mules everywhere and everything. But anyway, the the music is great. I really think so. Sound in the game is very good. Combat, uh, I haven't experienced combat too much, but what I have, it's not bad. It, I can't complain. Um, the voice acting is pretty good. Norman Reedus does a pretty good, pretty good job in this. It's a little, it feels a little staged sometimes, but I mean, all in all, it's a pretty good, pretty good, I believe. Um, another thing, the BBs in the game, you know, the little babies you carry around in your chest or whatever. They are <laughs> adorable. I, th I think though that that's a really good, um, I think, balancing point for the heavy and dark aspect of the game. You have this child, you know, the the baby is very, very cute. And if it, you kind of you get connected to it in a way, um, sort of, you know, like those old uh, Nintendo games where you play with the dogs or whatever, you know, on your DS or Wii or whatever the heck, it doesn't matter. And you play with the dog, and you know, feed the dog, like uh, every once in a while or whatever. But with the, you, you don't feed the BBs. You kind of you can rock them back and forth by moving your controller up and down, and taking them, you know, back whenever you go to to a safe house or whatever into a private room, and you can hang it into the incubator and check on it, and you can play with it, and it'll be like, oh, he seems happy, and he'll blow like little water hearts at you or whatever when he's happy, you know. The, and the it's just so cute the way they do it it just it just makes you smile you know one of those things that just makes you smile it, it's a very nice and cute thing that i think they added into the game that's very well put in there i think it's a very nice thing they did to sort of balance you know the dark aspect of the game and the bbs and and um i'm not trying to stay spoiler free here but the bb comes into a it comes into play at a very um heavy moment in the early game and it's a nice balance, you know, you're like oh, with a hit with this emotion and then of like sadness and just all this stuff. And then the baby comes out and you're like, oh. you know, you kind of like that your character in game kind of gets purpose. And he's like, oh, yes, the baby, I can I can take care of this. I can show that, that I love it. And, you know, it, it's mine. And, you know, you care of it. And 
you know, he has this sort of like um, parental aspect about it, you know, and you, you hook up to the link and everything and the memories happen and you get closer and closer to the BB as uh, the game goes on, I think. And that's very nice. And the story, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting story. I do agree, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's weird. I, I won't, I won't, I won't say it's not, it's weird, but all in all, so far what I played Death Stranding, I'm going to give it a out of 10. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it an 8.9 out of 10. It's a pretty solid game. I do enjoy it. Next topic on the agenda today is the tease. I'm sure if you've, you're listening to this podcast, you've probably heard or seen it, but the tease from Bethesda game, Bethesda about the new Indiana Jones game uh, made by Machine Games, you know, the creators of Wolfenstein, the New Order, and the Colossus. And it didn't show much. It didn't. Just some music and a little, you know, slideshow of um, a book and some things that Indiana Jones would have, you know, normal Indiana Jones stuff, I guess. And that is interesting skeptical but interesting uh it's not that it's i'm curious how a indiana jones game i'm sure you've heard this you know in other podcasts other people in the gaming industry and uh arena you you hear them and you're like oh okay you know but i i honestly am i'm curious how an indiana jones game would play out when you have games like uh you know beating a dead horse here but uncharted and tomb raider you know two games obviously inspired by the Indiana Jones movies and you take what they've perfected and try to make it unique again. Right. So I'm curious to see what machine games can do with it. I'm not skeptical about giving it to machine games. You know, there are companies that want to be diverse with what they make, you know, so if they want to get out of the world of Wolfenstein, I say go for it and just make it good. <laughs> Don't make it cyberpunk. Don't give us a cyberpunk on release. Finish the game. Make it a good game. That's all I have to say for that. Uh, but I'm curious to see what's going to go, what's, what's going to happen with that. So we'll see. Uh, here's to hoping. The next topic on the agenda today is massive entertainment. The creators of The Division, okay, The Division 1 and 2 are creating an open-world Star Wars game. Yes, I said that correctly, and you just heard that. Massive Entertainment, the creators of The Division, are creating an open-world Star Wars game. Okay? Um, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> that's, uh, that's interesting. That is something to be skeptical, but excited for, all right? Because I think Massive Entertainment and Bungie are very similar with The Division and Destiny. Destiny 1, when it came out, uh, was lacking. Dest uh, the Division, when it came out, was lacking. And Bungie tried to rectify it with Destiny 2, added a solid campaign, and... It failed, and the Division Two, uh, the Division Two was a pretty good game. I won't lie, the Division Two was a good game. So I'm curious to see how they will implement it, implement Star Wars to the style of Massive Entertainment. I'm really hoping 
that we get maybe a little bit of clone clone wars you know but i really want to stay away from jedis my palette for anything jedi has been kind of ruined with jedi fallen order that is something that i know is very controversial to say that but i did not enjoy jedi fallen order at all <laughs> it was just not a very fun game to me and i'm very nervous but also excited to see if we can get a game that doesn't involve jedi but also has a good story good combat good movement and a good looking engine I, I think the game would have to be on a different engine than what the division is definitely i just i don't know how they're gonna do that i'm I'm excited. I'm not. I'm not really skeptical. I'm. I'm more excited about the possibilities that Massive Entertainment has. All the different alleys they can take to to really sell their sell their game, sell their game to us. And I'm. I'm excited to to see what they can do. I, I really am. Um, nervous, you know, as everyone is with you know a beloved franchise like this, put into the hands of you know someone with a diverse repertoire. But I, I'm excited. I'm I'm very excited to see what they can do. That that is something. I'll keep you guys updated on that uh, whenever we hear more news about it. All right, time to address a little bit of hate into the gaming industry by gamers. I guess this one comes from uh, Myth, TSM Myth. You know, massive. He blew up on Fortnite. Switched to a bunch of different games. He's you know, everyone knows Myth, right? But uh, he tweeted a couple months ago. He said. Uh, if you're on controller, if you're, uh, you know, if you're on controller when you play games, you aren't a real gamer. As you can understand, I'm sure that doesn't make any sense and is very contradictive to uh, game creators. He's he's basically saying like, oh, you know, if you played God of War, you played The Last of Us Part Two. Those aren't real games. You're not a real gamer. Blah blah blah. Right. So I think that's more of gate a gatekeeping thing. I don't think. You know, I don't personally think that all PC gamers are like that uh, at all. I, I know a, few, a handful of them are, but I mean, there's a handful of Xbox players and PS4 players and Nintendo players who are like that too. Again, you know, with each other and other players. I just, you hate to see that with such a, with such a powerful leader in the gaming community, I guess. You hate to see someone say something like that, try to gatekeep games from other people that might enjoy playing with a controller or something like that. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard to see where he was coming from. Maybe out of frustration for maybe aim assist in one of the games he was, he was playing, but still you can't say stuff like that and get away with it. It's just something that is, is not fair. Um, do better. Don't gatekeep. We don't need gatekeeping in the gaming community. It's, it's already a controversial thing to do as it is now. Let's just, Let's stay together, guys. Let's try and let's try and be whole. All right, nothing to do like that. And finally, my last feel-good story of the day. I will switch it up on you. We gave you the bad. Let's give you the good now. Uh, there's this girl on TikTok named Cart Girl, and I saw a video from her the other day that is her trying to explain the difference of Apex Legends and Fortnite. Uh, 
if you watch the video, she's she's playing Mario Kart and Nintendo Switch. It's just a very you know sweet video to watch, very wholesome, and I I think she means very well, and I I wish nothing but the best for her. And here's a here's the here's the video. Oh hey, Kart Squad, Kart Gal here. So what are the differences between Apex Legends and Fortnite? I recently learned that they are very different games when I accidentally stated that they were the same. Um, so I took some stuff from straight from the comments section, straight from those hardcore Apex fans. So the biggest difference uh, looks like you have like hero abilities. Based on which character you choose in Apex, you have different powers. That actually sounds pretty dope. I'm pretty excited about trying that. Um, what else? Apex has two maps. Apex is first person as opposed to Fortnite's third person. Um, Apex has 20 teams of three-person squads, whereas Fortnite has 100 uh, people. So that will do it for the first episode of the WASD podcast. I've been your host, Wyatt Rucker. Thank you for listening. Please, you know, leave a review and tune in next week for the next episode of the WASD podcast. Stay warm, stay healthy, and until next time, I'll see you guys around. Always do it on my own, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow, till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's, I just wanna keep moving Keep my head up when I act, head up, that's a fact Never looking back, I'ma keep myself on track Keep my head up, staying strong, always moving on Feel I don't belong, tell my thoughts to move along Push myself to be the best, die with no regrets Live with every breath, see my message start to spread And I had so many dreams, then you hit your teens Life ain't really what it seems, try to find out what it means Always do it on my own, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow Till I finally prove it